hello, hello. Welcome to the 125 Roller Coaster Challenge Trimmed and Stable Podcast. I'm Paul, and yet again, I am flying solo again. Why am I flying solo? Well, this is part two of our three-part series on the Florida trip I just did. The first part was last week we talked about Busch Gardens Tampa, and next week we're going to be talking about Universal Studios Islands of Adventure. But in between there, I actually went back to SeaWorld Orlando, and I got to ride Icebreaker, I got to ride Mako, and pretty much it was a really interesting day, and I can't wait to tell you about it. But there's also something we have to do first, and this is March 1st. And the first of the month, if you listen to our podcast, you know it's the queue. So what's the queue? Well, the queue is pretty much the episode where we tell you what we've done, which is pretty much what these three episodes are all about, or what we are about to do. And we also answer uh, usually about three listener questions. So before we get into the SeaWorld adventure, I want to actually get into the queue. So what did I do last month? What did we do last month? Pretty much just a Florida trip. So you're going to be um, following along with that the next couple weeks. So we're not going to get into great details there. But our first question that we have, our listener question is, and this one's a pretty good one here. We just looked at your top 10 list and we noticed something about your top 10 list, Paul. You either like intense and then half of them are more rewritable mild. What's the deal? Why do you have I-305 and Fury 325, but also have Twisted Timbers and a few other coasters like Gatekeeper that aren't quite as intense? What's up with that? That is a fantastic question. And to answer that question, it's pretty simple. It really depends on my mood. Uh, sometimes you go to an amusement park and you want to be thrilled. You want to get you know the high blood pressure going and uh, you know your heart racing and stuff like that. And other times you just want to sit down and just have a nice relaxing time. And I really think our top ten list really kind of encumbrances all that. Some of the rides like uh, Twisted Timbers, we love that one because it's so rewritable. Meanwhile, something like Steel Vengeance is when you get off Steel Vengeance, you're sweating, your heart's racing. I threw a fives like that too. And uh, when you're looking at it. Our top 10, you know, Goliath is kind of in the middle there. And we have El Toro, which is all about trying to kill you. So really, our top 10 really is determined and is kind of made up of, like you said, some mild rides, some intense rides. And really... It's all about the ride and the experiences that we had. Pretty much, we don't really have a favorite type style. We don't always go for the most intense. We don't always go for the most rewritable. It's what we feel when we're riding it. And our top 10 is very eclectic. That was our first question uh, with the queue. So the next thing I want to talk about is what's the plans for uh, March? Now, March is always an interesting month because some parks are going to be opening up. I know uh, Six Flags Over Georgia is opening up this week. Um, I also know uh, in two weeks, I think Carowinds is opening up. So those are the southern ones. Meanwhile, Hershey actually doesn't open until April 1st. Some other parks like Dorney aren't even going to open until May. So when we get into March, I can honestly say we have no real plans except for one. And that is this Friday, I'm going to be, March 4th, I'm going to be heading out to Busch Gardens Williamsburg because I got to get on Pantheon. Even without the Florida trip, Pantheon was high on my list. But now after doing Iron Gwazi and Velocicoaster, which, you know, it's a year old, and uh, of course Icebreaker, I really want to get on Pantheon and I want to really experience it. Uh, The one thing I'm a little nervous about is... I looked at the uh, brochures and the information in regards to uh, the uh, Platte Pass people riding, and it looks like we're only going to get one ride, and I'm hoping that's not the case, because I'm driving about five and a half, six hours, and I want to get 
a few rides on this thing. Over at Busch Gardens Tampa, if you listen last week, I marathoned Iron Gwazi 15, 16 times. And you really get a feel for a coaster when you're marathoning it. And it's already going to be a little bit more challenging than over at Tampa, mainly because at Tampa, uh, we had better weather. I hear it's going to be about 50, but the park really doesn't open until 3 to 8 o'clock at night, I think is what the hours are. Most of it's going to be night rides. So I'm really hoping that it's not a one and done. I'm hoping that they allow us to, uh, you know, explore the ride a little bit more and pretty much check everything out and, you know, really see what this ride can do. Now, some other plans we might have, you know, we may be able to get down to Carowinds. Uh, we might be able to get down, probably not Georgia. March is kind of a weird month for my business. So I don't really think I'm going to be able to escape that far. Pretty much the only thing I really have on the marquee for uh, March is uh, the Pantheon. Now, our second question is a good one there. What are the big trips that we have for 2022? There's a couple targets. We already, we pretty much took care of Florida. We never got to Universal Studios yet. You know, we got the Islands of Adventure and as more and more weddings take place over in Florida, I am looking forward to getting to Florida more. So what are some additional goals for the uh, upcoming year? I want to do some cleanups. And what do I mean by cleanup is I know I have a couple credits at some parks that we've done in the past that we never really got. In particular, Six Flags New England. I have the Joker there. I have the Riddler, SLC, uh, Flashback. So there's three creds there. Lake Compounds. I've got uh, Wildcat there. There's just a lot of little odds and ends. Uh, Hopefully... um, Hellcat opens up over at Clementon Park. I'm hoping to be able to get to Fantasy Island. Actually, it's called Niagara Amusement Park now. You know, just a lot of cleanups. That's one big goal. The other one is I do want to start heading out Midwest. And um, in particular, uh, looking at uh, Six Flags Great America. That's a lot of coaster credits there. And there's a couple other parks near there. So that would be a nice little week-long trip if I could pull that off. And then, of course, I'm hoping in July or August. And yes, I know it's going to be super hot. But the way my schedule is working out. That seems to be a nice little gap there for me to actually get to Texas. I need to get to Six Flags over Texas. I need to get to Fiesta, Texas. I need to pick up some of these other smaller credits that are sitting there. So that's really what the big plans are for uh, 2022. And of course, the last question with the queue. Because the queue is a little bit short this time because we are talking about the trips in these uh, next, um, you know, this episode and the next episode. So the next question is, and this is a really simple one there, and this is one that actually took me a few minutes to think about, but B&M, RMC, Intamin, which is your favorite? And that is challenging. And I really don't know how I can pick one because they all do so many different things different. You got B&M, which has the amazing hyper coasters, but they also have the creativity with the wing coasters. They have the uh, dive coasters. They they created the invert. So these are just amazing rides that are staples at every park. Intamin is the ones that they want to push the boundaries. And I'm hoping Pantheon is one where we're pushing the boundaries. And uh, of course, they also have Velocicoaster, which is one of the top coasters. They uh, push the uh, envelope with King Ka. They push the envelope with I-305. So they're really intense. And then you got RMC, which is just, every RMC is just a work of masterpiece. And in particular, the uh, latest one in the United States, Iron Gwazi, is now my number one coaster because of so much amazing elements and the way it flows and how smooth it is and how quiet it is, except for the lift hill. Iron Gwazi just incorporates everything. All three of those manufacturers are just fantastic. But if I'm walking into an amusement park and I have a choice between the RMC, a B&M, or an Intamin, I'm lining up for RMC. Uh, Simple as that. I'm going to line up for the RMC. Uh, I'm going to love all the coasters, 
but RMC is going to be the one that actually puts a park on the map and actually makes us go. Just thinking about a few parks, um, Fun Spot Georgia in Atlanta was a nobody's real list until uh, Air Force One came on the radar. And uh, you think about some of these other parks like Kentucky Kingdom, they became a destination when Storm Chaser came out. RMCs bring to people. Uh, there's something new and uh, exciting, and that's where I'm going to lean to. That's the cue. That is the cue portion of this episode. So what's the rest of the stuff we're going to talk about here? You know, we're about 10 minutes in. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about SeaWorld Orlando and the trip I just had. And I can honestly say it did not start out good at all. Uh, In all honesty, at one point, I was thinking they were giving a run for Leron for the worst park experiences I've ever had. Let's talk about it. What happened? Well, of course, driving into Orlando from Tampa is kind of a nightmare. You get about 20 miles out and you're in stop traffic. That has nothing to do with the park. That pretty much has to do with just a Sunday in February on a holiday weekend. Finally get to the park get into the park, deal with the parking situation there. I was surprised. I got there around 1, 1.30, and the fact that there was still lines everywhere, it was just crazy because I think the park opened at like 8 or 9 o'clock. I thought I was going to be missing all that. Not the park's fault. They do what they got to do. Got a parking spot there. Walk all the way over to the front gate. Had to wait my time. Got through the gate. And that's when things started turning. And what do I mean by that is I know other parks that when you buy things in advance, they kind of automatically trigger when you have access to the park. In particular, Six Flags, I know when I have a meal plan, you know, I enter the park, that activates the meal plan. If I uh, do not enter the park, like I know a couple of times, I, being honest here, Janine would give me her pass if I had a friend and we tried to, you know, hey, she has a meal plan, let's do it. Unless Janine came through the turn styles, it wasn't activated. And I figured that would be how SeaWorld would work because I actually uh, spent money on the Fast Pass because the first time I went to SeaWorld, I did not get many rides. I got one one and done for every ride. I got the credit and really I was waiting two, two and a half hours with Kylie to try to get on these rides. So I actually spent the money on the Fast Queue thinking, okay, I want to finally marathon Mako. I want to make sure that I'm walking on some of these rides or at least have a more manageable line experience. So I bought the Fast Pass. What happened happened was once I get on there, I'm like, okay, is the fast pass ready to go? And they're like, nope, you have to go to guest services to get it activated. Guest services on this day only had four people working in a section that basically you could probably have about 15 people there. Yet again, I understand short staffed. I don't want to sound privileged or anything like that, but I literally waited about an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half to get my fast queue because you know, you get these moms that have 13 kids with them and they all need to get this checked out. And at one point there out of the four uh, spots, only one of them was actually moving. The other three were tied up with uh, large families and dealing with that. And my frustration was I got the fast pass to avoid lines. However, I'm doing nothing but waiting in a line, losing an hour and a half of the day. I'll be nice. I'll say an hour. Say it was an hour. I think it was an hour 15, but I'll say it was an hour. Still, waiting an hour just to activate the pass that will actually let me skip lines was kind of an ironic twist. They kind of need a fast pass for the fast pass, if you ask me. Or, like I said, figure out what Six Flags does. Uh, I believe Sierra Fair is the same way. They have a system that if once you hit the um, front gate and you hit the turnstile and you're in the park, then your stuff activates. And if you're not in the park, your stuff's not activated. Great system. But okay, 
dust myself off, I head right to Icebreaker, all right? Because Icebreaker's brand new, and with the fast queue, I got one front of the line pass with it, which literally was front of the line. There was nobody else in line there. Even though it just opened up the day before, it had a kind of a manageable line. It really wasn't that crazy, but I pretty much got the Icebreaker, walked right into Icebreaker. Very thrilled that with that. Uh, got the front row. And I only wrote it once. And the main reason for that is no offense to Icebreaker, but going into it, I knew it was a complimentary coaster, not a highlight coaster. And what do I mean by this? There's some coasters uh, like King's Dominion's doing a 4D. People aren't flocking to King's Dominion for the 4D, but it actually alleviates lines. It's actually a nice addition to the park. Here, you've got the big three. You've got Kraken, which is my top floorless coaster you've got the top flying coaster with manta that i've done and you got a really really good uh hyper coaster and i'll tell you after uh because i finally got the marathon it i'll tell you my thoughts on mako in a few minutes icebreaker no matter what was going to be a mid-tier fun edition a family-friendly ride going into it i jumped on the front row because i could uh there was nobody there i knew i wasn't going to get the big spike but i also uh heard some of the reviews from coaster studios and others that this thing has good airtime everywhere and my thoughts on icebreaker it's a fun ride it is a fun ride it is a great compliment coaster to the uh, sea world orlando family of coasters they needed something like this because they really uh, journey to atlantis was the only real family coaster they had and if you don't want to get wet you're not going on that this was a niche that they needed to fill uh, the ride experience, it was good. It, I believe it's called a Skyrocket 4 model. So we already have uh, the Skyrocket over at Kennywood, and you already have the Skyrocket 2s showing up everywhere. I just did one at Tigris. I can see these being cloned and being sent to other parks. You know, they're going to be like another uh, backyard stump coaster. They're going to be another Flight of Fear. You know, so one of these rides where, you know, it's not going to flock me to go to the park, but it's going to be a nice addition. Now, next time I'm at SeaWorld, am I going to line up for it? Probably not. Uh, there's too many other marquee rides for me to jump on. I got the coaster credit now. And uh, we have some merch. We'll be giving out some merch uh, in the next couple weeks. Uh, they have Icebreaker. And that actually brings me to the next part there. So I get on the ride. I get the ride. I enjoyed the ride. I took a couple pictures of it. It broke down. I heard this about, you know, opening days. You know, nothing that's not a big deal. But I go to buy the merchandise because we have a podcast. We want you guys to be happy with our podcast. So we're going to bribe you to listen to our podcast. Of course. I pick out my stuff. I get, um, you know, two or three small things there. And then there's nobody literally at checkout. There's two ride attendants there talking, and I finally was like, were you guys here? I was like, oh, he just ran off the lockers. 25 minutes I waited. 25 minutes I waited for this guy to get back from lockers. Management stopped by, and they were like, where's the guy at? I go, that's been my question for the last, you know, 15 minutes. Figured they could have just jumped in there and did it. I was only buying one or two items, but 25 minutes to buy merchandise. Now, the one thing I do have to say is, unlike uh, Iron Gwazi, they had a nice selection of different items uh, for Icebreaker, so I was happy with that. Now, they are the same company. I'm hoping that they just sold out of Iron Gwazi stuff, you know, when they open it on uh, March 11th, that they have so much stuff that people are going to be overwhelmed. Yet again, another bad experience, so that's strike two there, right? So, all right, I get some filming of Icebreaker, and I'm like, okay, I'm hungry. I didn't eat anything coming down. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Okay. 
So I'm looking at all the lines. Of course, this park is mobbed, so there's lines everywhere, which I completely understand. I, I do my assessment, and I see the Glacier Bar is right there. Uh, people are breakdancing. They're doing their thing. But the Glacier Bar is there. There's seats at the Glacier Bar. So I get in line for the Glacier Bar. I'm looking at the menu. I see great drink options. see great food options. I'm like, all right, I am set. This is going to be great. Keep going through the line. Of course, you know, it takes time to get through it and stuff like that. Right before it's my turn, I see there's a spot at the bar. I'm like, great, I'm going to grab that spot at the bar. It's just me. I sit down at the bar. I'm ready. He's like, give me that menu. Let's do this. I get the menu. And I'm like, all right, I want this, this, and this. I want this food. Uh, let me have this burger. Let me have this, this, and this. She looks at me and says, I'm sorry, because of the crowds, we're not serving food. Seriously, I just waited another 20, 25 minutes to get to the front to actually do my order. If you are not serving food, it would seem logical to me that you have something to block off that part of the menu so people aren't waiting in line for food. And of course, I couldn't get a drink because I had an empty stomach. What I'm noticing at this point is I'm having a Six Flags day at a SeaWorld Park. And uh, no offense to Six Flags, it's just what people say. Literally, the fast lane chopped an hour off my day. Waiting 20 minutes just to buy merchandise. I have my own business. I have always gone with the philosophy, do not make it tough for people to pay you. Do not make it tough for people to buy from you. The only reason why I stayed was because I knew I wasn't coming back that way and I wanted to get that merchandise for you guys. And then when I finally break down and okay, I'm going to grab something to eat, the fact that they couldn't just, it wasn't a huge part of the menu. You have all the drinks because it is a bar and then you have this corner part there for food. All you have to do is put a piece of cardboard there or put something there that says no food today because I'm guarantee you this isn't the first time that the Glacier Bar closed down their food options. Not going to lie, not having a good day. SeaWorld was definitely on track to become another LaRonde and become that. You know, the bottom tier of my experience at Funstabot uh, Orlando. And I always stress Orlando because Kissimmee was fantastic. We had the problem with Orlando. And I'm not a prima donna here, but those are three things that I'm like... This is stuff you need to work on. You need to have an employee at your merchandise stand. If I was an honest person, I could just walked off with it. Uh, when you have a fast queue system there, you should have a system where you're not spending more time in the fast queue line than you're going to be on any other line. If you're busy and you're not serving food, block that part of the menu off. I think these are just three standard things that really should have been done. So I'm walking through the kids section, which is always a nightmare. But I'm like, I'm here. I, I'm ready to go, but I came for Mako. I came for Mako. I need to get on Mako. Then I can be pissed off and just leave. Of course, I did pay for the fast pass, so probably wasn't going to do that, but that was my mentality at this point. Then I get on Mako, and the fast pass was the smartest thing I think I've done in a long time because I walked pretty much almost station weight and jumped right in the back seat. Mako was my third or fourth favorite hyper. Uh, going into this day because I only got one ride in the middle for my 300th coaster. By the end of the day, I had three or four in the back. I had two or three in the front. I had a couple in the middle, a couple in 11. I think I did it about 10 times. And I can honestly say Mako is legit. Mako is my number one. The floater air on that thing, especially in the back, is great. The, the transitions, it's a nice long ride. Didn't really get to enjoy it much when I was there the year before. Comparing it to uh, Candymonium, which is such a short ride, Mako just keeps going and going. And, get, and, and there's never a dull moment from that drop to the brake run. Mako is gold. I am so thrilled with Mako that it turned my entire outlook around. 
around. Went to a uh, smokehouse there, got some barbecue, sat there. They were doing their uh, Mardi Gras also. So I was able to grab a couple samples. I think I had uh, lamb spare ribs or something. Mako definitely changed my entire day. And it wasn't just Mako, though. I actually, after I got off Mako, I, I walked around the park. I did some filming. Uh, some of the stuff, if you go to our YouTube channel, 125 Roller Coaster, there is numerous, and I do mean numerous, shorts that we've been posting. Uh, even a couple um, traditional videos, but definitely the shorts. Check them out there. Uh, I know we have a good one of Kraken. I know uh, I actually stopped and saw the sea lions for a little bit there and uh, did some filming of the sea lions. And I actually just got a brand new phone slash camera. So the quality should really shoot up. Uh, hopefully I get it by the time I go to Pantheon. So that will increase it there. But really, it's amazing. It became night and day after Mako. Got some merchandise. You know, got a nice water bottle. Did, you know, really just enjoyed the park. And uh, just hung around as much as I could. Uh, did a lot of Mako. Really didn't go back to the icebreaker section again. Because, yet again, it was a pedestrian one there. But I knew it was getting later in the day. And I did, forgot my relief ban. So I was kind of saving Kraken for last. And I was kind of on the bubble if I was going to do uh, Manta. So I get a line for Kraken. And Kraken almost knocked me out, of course, because Kraken is just fantastic. And I gotta say, the paint job they did, magnificent. It's almost like a new coaster. It's got a rattle, got a rattle, but really, it's still my number one floorless. It just uh, really rocks. It, it's got great elements. It's got great um, location right there. And uh, Kraken was great, but it kind of hit me a little bit there. So I get off the ride. I'm a little bit dazed, but I'm like, you know what? I got the fast pass, the quick queue, whatever they call it there. I got to get on Manta, right? So it's dusk and I get over to Manta and I pretty much almost walk on but I walk on the back and I can honestly say I don't think I've ever done the back seat of any flying coaster because like I said last time I was at SeaWorld I got what I got because it was so crazy and uh, when I do the Supermans I kind of just I don't have a preference that pretzel loop wow Oh my gosh, that was probably as intense of an element that I have ever done. I-305, maybe the Helix over at Nitro sometimes kind of grazed me out there. But the amount of weight that I felt on my shoulders when we dove down into that pretzel loop, I have not experienced that raw power uh, in a long time. And it was just really amazing. Uh, It was uh, one of those rides that you're going to remember because uh, it was dusk, you're flying around, you're flipping, you're turning. And I'm on the back of this thing. I usually like the front of these kind of things, but just the intensity of that pretzel loop really knocked me on my butt. And uh, it's kind of funny when you look at the theming, you're like, oh, it's going to be a nice little soaring ride. That pretzel loop was crazy. And I was hit pretty hard. I mean, I almost, I, I definitely grayed out. Don't think I blacked out, but I definitely grayed out. Here is how sick the mind of a coaster enthusiast truly is. Because I'm right by the entrance and exit. So I can just go. I mean, I had a full day, probably six hours. But no, I was like, I need to get some night rides on Mako. So I walk all the way back to the back of the park. And I get two more rides on Mako front row, back row. You know, definitely, I didn't really need the uh, front of the line pass at that point, but I was definitely marathoning it. Then I headed out and we headed towards, uh, I headed towards um, Universal because the next day I was doing Universal and I got a hotel there uh, for the shuttle service, which we'll talk about that at the next episode. But final thoughts on SeaWorld started out pretty bad. 
It started out really bad. It really got better. Definitely is still a top 10 park. Really, if you look at the lineup, my number one hyper is Mako. My number one flying coaster is Manta. And my number one floorless coaster is Kraken. Your top three B&Ms are my top three out of all the ones I've ridden. You know, and I've, I've done a good amount of hypers. I've done a good amount of floorless. And, uh, you know, you can always debate back and forth. I haven't done as many flying. There's going to be a few of those coming up in, uh, in in 22. You got a lineup that's amazing. Now, Icebreaker fits into that lineup. Is it a marquee coaster? No. Will I go just for Icebreaker? No. Will I buy any more Icebreaker merchandise? Never. But it is a good compliment because you got the top three, uh, you know, Mako, Manta, and Kraken. And then you've got the family three, which is basically icebreaker journey to the center of a uh, journey to atlantis and of course the grover coaster i think it's air grover there you know the experience got great uh got a lot better uh the food was fantastic i mean you can't help the crowds i understand that uh but you can help the service and that's my biggest takeaway from this is you have amazing coasters you have amazing things there just a couple little tweaks the guest experience goes way up there you know have the quick queue activate or, or or have more people or have a fast lane or something for the quick queue so because it took literally less than a minute for him to activate it so it wasn't like that was a long thing so maybe you have a uh, express lane at the uh, guest services for just you know activating meal plans or something like that just something real simple there and then have the drama ones for the uh for the rest of course block off your menu if you're not serving it like i said that's time there and Last one, at least, I understand the guy had to take care of something at the lockers. 25 minutes, that was, I could have walked off with that stuff, so I'm glad I'm an honest person. In conclusion, you know, next week, or probably Thursday, I'm, I'm feeling like this is going to be an ERT, is going to be our universal one, which is the last one. I went to Islands of Adventure, first time ever, so I'm going to talk about that great park. And of course, I'm going to end it by answering everybody's question, what's better, Iron Gwazi or Velocicoaster? And, you know, Gwazi is by far my best RMC, and Velocicoaster lived up to the hype. So which one's better? I'm going to let you know uh, when we're uh, pretty much um, next episode. YouTube, we're doing a lot of shorts. Check them out. Really, they're not taking that much time out of your day. They're literally under a minute long. Yeah, we got a couple of diverse ones. We got uh, Journey to uh, Atlantis' um, aquariums in there. Uh, you've got the Incredible Hulk. You've got Cheetah Hunt. There, there's so many different things that we went over. So let's get social. So if you know anything about us, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, and we're 125 Roller Coaster. If you like Twitter, because Hey, who doesn't like Twitter? We are 125 Roller Coast. Could not get the ER. You can definitely check us out on all your different uh, podcast uh, services Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, of course, Podchaser, Castbox, uh, Podcast Addict, Audible. We're on all of them. So definitely give us a like. If you feel like uh, you want to give us a review, we're not going to say no. And especially on Spotify, we just got 10. Uh, ratings. 10 people ranked us. And why does that matter? Because now it shows up that we have 10 people that ranked us. Before you get to 10, it just, there's not really a ranking there. You, you can rank, but you won't know what the average is. We got to 10. We have an average. It's 4.9. Would we like it higher? Of course we'd love it higher. Are we going to get it higher? That's up to you. I'm Paul, and I can't wait to see you in the queue in 2022, and especially if I get to see you on Pantheon on Friday. Friday.